Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. It is August 13th, 1994. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. We've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. Lots of people passing around these tapes. We've got some some bonus tapes coming at you, everybody. For those of you who want to check out some of our other things that we're doing, you can uh, you can do so. Coming up in the the next few weeks, we'll be distributing different tapes all around the area for you to have. Rescue me, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> mixtapes. We're making mixtapes. So we're, we're kind of uh, demonstrating a little bit of music and talking about what we think about the music. Yeah, that is exactly what's happening. So. News today, though, not much in the way of news for O.J. Simpson. I guess things are sort of slowing down a little bit on that front. Trial is supposed to... I don't know when it's going to go. This whole, all the pre-trial stuff that's going on here is taking forever. Yeah. It's very boring. <laughs> but we've got some other news. Actual entertainment news. There's this dude, don't really know who he is, but he's a he's a director and a writer. His name is David O. Russell. And it says, mother and son have a family affair. Ew. Yeah, I know it's it's. Ve- I know it's very strange, but they say a mother is a boy's first love. Uh, <laughs> what in the hell is happening? But she shouldn't be a boy's first love. Nevertheless, that's a pr- the provocative hook of spanking the monkey, a dark but not too dark tragic comedy, but not too tragic. From first-time director and writer David O. Russell. I I couldn't be more put off. Like, there's nothing about that that makes me want to see it. Yet, rather than a study of incest and its attendant traumas of sexual politics, Russell's film remains more concerned with the notion of why we are bound by a sense of duty to people just because they happen to be related to us. Hmm. I mean, that's an interesting hypothesis. I guess, yeah, but if there is incest in this movie that's it's not oh it's so weird yeah uh anyway so the other the other piece of news is happier news i guess woodstock's coming up isn't that exciting oh i'm super excited about woodstock yeah well actually i are you going to watch because i know a few people you know i i know a few people that want me to order it on pay-per-view and maybe, you know, have some people over to the house to, to watch. Yeah. It seems kind of interesting. It's obviously, so it's the 25th anniversary of Woodstock 25 years ago. Man, can you imagine 25 years from now, 50th anniversary of Woodstock? Hmm. I, wonder, I wonder what they're going to do. What kind of what kind of big blowout party they're going to have. That would be interesting to see. Because this is, you know, obviously this is a big deal. And... But you don't have to go to Woodstock to see it, you know, as this article from the Detroit Free Press points out. Uh, there are several pay-per-view options, Saturday and Sunday, 
43 and a half hours wow. of concerts. Now, they're pricey. $34.95 for one day and $49.95 for both days. So if I do it, I'm going to do both days because why? Why Why? Why not spend the extra 15 bucks exactly to get both days? Well, you know, I mean, we could charge people to come in and see. We could for sure. It's also going to, there's also going to be a little bit on MTV, obviously. Uh, there's do, they're doing a top 20 countdown live from Woodstock. They're going to do the weekend rock from, from Woodstock. They're going to have a Woodstock preview. They're going to do the, you know, they, they have a lot of programming wrapped up around it. So, you know, obviously we can switch back and forth between the pay-per-view and an MTV, but it's, it's interesting to me because, you know, the blues traveler is going to be there. The, the lineup is supposed to be quite interesting. Have I want you... to see Blues Traveler. Yeah. You're a big fan? Well, I mean, I don't know a big fan, but I like them. Do, do you know much about uh, about the, the bands that are going to be there? No. Okay, so the lineup, like I said, is, you know, fairly, fairly eclectic. Uh, but there's going to be some... Some, not, I don't want to say lesser bands. I don't want, I don't want to sound like. Some B-list bands? Well, yeah, opening, openers. yeah, opening type bands and stuff like that. But some of your favorites are going to be there as well. And, you know, the Goats are going to be there. They're a, uh, a Philadelphia group. Uh, Huffamoose is going to be there. Uh, Orleans is going to be there. They did that song, uh, uh, Dance With Me. They're the 70s band. Obviously, Blues Travelers, Blues Travelers is going to be there, as we mentioned. Live is going to be there. That's cool. Cheryl Crow Woo-hoo. is going to be there. I know you're a big Cheryl Crow fan. Collective Soul is going to be there. Love Collective Soul. Candlebox is going to play. Yay, Candlebox. Uh, and then we've got uh, Joe Cocker, Blind Melon, Ooh. The Cranberries, Cypress yes. Hill, uh, Rollins Band with uh, Henry Rollins, Melissa Etheridge. Nice. Uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Okay. Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Metallica. Aerosmith. I said the Cranberries, right? Yeah. Salt and Peppa's going to be there. Uh, who else? Uh, John Sebastian. I don't know if you're familiar with John Sebastian. Not really. He, he was in the band The Loving Spoonful. Okay. Sisters of Glory's going to be there. <laughs> What? The Almond Brothers. See, it's like it's a good mix of newer bands and then obviously going into some of the older stuff like the Almond Brothers. Some of the people that were maybe around for there. Bob Dylan's going to play. And so, oh my gosh. So are the Spin Doctors and Porno for Pyros, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, then Peter Gabriel. Okay. Then Green Day. Yay. Which is going to be really interesting, I think. That'll be the, one of the highlights for me. Santana's going to be there. I like Santana. So yeah, uh, definitely a you know a huge thing. I know they asked Johnny Cash, and the he declined. Wow, because he wasn't going to be on the main stage. I think Allison Chains. Okay, so he's got a big head. <laughs> Was not aware of that. Uh, Guns and Roses. You know what I just thought of? What would you think of? 
that um, if Kurt Cobain hadn't uh, died, that Nirvana oh, would probably be gosh. one of the headlining bands. Nirvana probably would be the headlining band, yep. I would think. Yeah, sad. that's sad. That's really sad. <laughs> but, you know, it's it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting thing. Oh. Oh my goodness, you sound excited about that today. <laughs> it was a very exciting episode, I think. It was a pretty good episode. The, the parents that. the parents almost got into something exciting and new, <laughs> like on the love boat. Oh, I don't think they were too excited. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, uh, what's her name? Cindy. Cindy and Jim. Cindy and Jimmy. <laughs> they, they went to a conference in Florida. Palm Springs. Palm Springs, Be- yeah. Beautiful Palm Springs, Florida. And uh, they were leaving the kids alone for the weekend. Yep. Now, mind you, the weekend before this, the kids go to a party. Brenda drags Brandon. He doesn't even want to go. It was Kelly's party, right? Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, he's driving and he's not going to be drinking. And um, But so he's driving and Brenda's drinking. And everybody's kind of making fun of him for not drinking, which is shitty. Right. And um, Steve Sanders, the resident asshole, decided to spike his drink. He made him a slutty virgin margarita. Right. And um, once he realized what he'd done, and he called him out, like, everybody's just fucking staring at him. It was like a bad after-school special moment. The whole party stopped. Yeah. And uh, so he's like, oh, no, it's fine. I like it. And he kept drinking. And he drove them home. Yeah. Now, he only had two drinks. So for a guy his size, I'm sure he wasn't drunk. But still, not a great idea. And foreshadowing for the rest of the episode. Right. So it's kind of funny because, you know, that apparently Brenda's like the problem child and he's like the perfect kid. And that's how they treat them through the whole episode. Absolutely. That's how they treat them. And um, so Brenda gives her mom a a kiss on her way up to bed, and she smells the alcohol on her breath. Doesn't even occur to her that Brandon might have drank. She crawls in bed with the dad and wakes him up to talk about it like she always does, because she's such a frickin' paranoid freak. Absolutely. (laughs) Like, like nothing can wait till morning. Our son's having sex. Wake up. Our daughter had alcohol. Wake up. Like, let the poor man sleep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So... Anyways, you know, that's basically what he tells her, you know, we'll deal with it in the morning. Um, So they're like telling Brandon to keep an eye on her while they're out of town. Yeah, they really are quite condescending to her. Yeah. I mean, they're the same age. Obviously, they are twins. Right. So they go and this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. They have an adjoining room. With another couple that is a stranger to them, and mm-hmm. this other couple has access to their room through this adjoining room. Yeah, they have a door. So, yeah, they, they have a door that, that opens up to both rooms. Usually, I've seen it in hotels before, but usually there are two doors. You have the ability to lock one or the other, and both of you have to open up your doors. It's like it's like turning the nuclear uh, missiles, right. turning the keys. <laughs> It's a two-key scenario. Both of you have to unlock the doors and open them in order for you to have access to each other. But yeah, they there's a throwaway line about how the lock is broken or something like that, where he says, I thought we got the lock fixed. But it is weird, because they, they start kissing, and these two bust right on in. Twice. 
two different times. The weirdest looking couple I've ever seen, I think. She looks like she looks like a ten year old girl that's in a Texas beauty pageant, but sixty years later. What? Like this is the most confusing visual. Well, she's got the bigger... She looks like a beauty... She looks like she's dressed up for a kid's beauty pageant. Okay. But she also looks like she's 50. Okay. So she looks like a 50-year-old dress with... She's got the big, almost white, bouffant hairstyle and just the kind of clothes that she's dressed in. See, I was going to say she looks like Dolly Parton. She looks a little like Dolly, but Dolly Parton looks a lot better than she, <laughs> this woman does. But she does look a little like Dolly Parton. And her husband is dressed like Colonel Sanders. <laughs> yeah, and he has a terribly creepy voice, too. He, he sounds like he sounds like Foghorn Leghorn after he'd been castrated. Because he's, he's, he's talking like... <laughs> yes, please, let us hear it. Well, hello, everyone. <laughs> it's like, like he's got that that southern draws. Like I, I say, I say, boy, <laughs> like that. But you know, like like Foghorn Leghorn's like, no, I say, I say. You know, so it sounds like that. But like he's been castrated. He has no more testosterone in that voice. He's very creepy. Very creepy guy. He does. He looks like the kind of person that would pet the hair uh, on a doll uh, while he watches you as you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it seems like. Oh, you having a dream there? So okay, so they they bust in their room once and introduce themselves, mm-hmm. and they bust in their room again, bringing a plat plate of snack food and champagne. And champagne. Nineteen eighty five Dom Perignon, I believe. Okay, so it's is that good? I don't know. I don't know. I, I've heard of Dom Perignon that is a good brand of champagne. I don't know the years. I don't. I don't right. follow. French you wines. don't? No. Get with it, man. I don't know what's a good year for <laughs> Dom Perignon. I'm going to assume 85 is fine. Right? So, yeah, they're 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 all like pushy and talking about coming to visit them in Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. like just craziness. So they finally get away from these freaks. And I called this, you by did. the way. I you called did. this right away. They're in the hot tub alone. <laughs> Snuggling up. Like, they've been trying to get it on all weekend, and these guys won't leave them alone. Yeah, they just want to have fun at this resort. And uh, they they find them in the hot tub. And they're like, oh, we've been looking for you all night. And you're right where we hoped you'd be. Right. And they take off their robes, and they're naked. Yeah. Because they want to swing. Yeah, absolutely. And I caught, right as soon as they walked into that room... When they were making, I'm like, that's not normal. That is not <laughs> normal behavior. No, they want to. They want to get in on this. Oh they, yeah. So these these this couple, because they talk about how they love these conventions because they get to meet new people. <laughs> so this couple just goes through and just tries to find anybody they can get it on with at these conventions. I guess. So creepy. They should have, but they should, they should, they should be better at. Reading the signs. Right. Of whether or not someone's interested. You would think after this, t- you don't want to waste. If you are if you want to swing. So if you and your wife or you oh, and your tips, husband. Tips tips from uh, Mark here on how to swing, guys. Let's, no, let's I'm just write th- this down. I'm just saying, if you if that's your goal, you want to swing with another couple when you're on this retreat or whatever. 
you don't want to waste your time, right? You, you don't want to spend the entire weekend tr- because it's not it's not something that everyone's into. Obviously. For sure, obviously. So you don't want to waste your time trying to corner this couple that you really want to get it on with, only for the weekend to end and them to say no. Right. They don't want to do it. So you would think that they would get good at reading the signs and the body language. Yeah, you'd think if they'd done this a bunch of times, like it sounds like they have. But yeah. God, how did they get people to agree? Because they are, ugh. They're, well, they're creepy for sure. Yeah, they're very creepy. And he's ugly and his voice is scary. <laughs> and she looks fake as hell. So there yeah. you have it. Not not as attractive as Dolly Parton. So, And the funniest part about it all is then... When they finally do get back to the room and they're finally alone because they've obviously told this couple to go to hell. Right. He can't get it up because he can't stop thinking about them naked. And oh, yeah. wanting to play, what did he say, Buck the Bronco or bu- something? Buck, yeah, Bucking Bronco bucking or something Bronx. like that. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> and when he said that, I could just picture the creepy guy standing there like, Okay. So while they're gone... They're supposed to be gone. It sounded like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And Friday night, Brenda gets talked into having a party by Kelly. Yeah. Kelly Kelly had thrown the party the weekend before. And as soon as she hears Brenda's parents are out of town, she's like, oh, when's the party? Right. I thought it was Donna's party, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it. I think oh, it was- yeah. It was Donna's party because yeah. Donna said something about her parents. Her would parents. never notice the alcohol gone. Right. So... And Donna had a ton of lines in this. Yeah, in, in this episode, she's coming up. It's happening Telling slowly you. but surely. That nose is getting bigger, and her <laughs> her parts getting more prominent. Um. So yeah, uh, Brenda says there's no way that Brandon will agree. And Kelly, you can already tell, is starting to have a crush on him when she's like, "Oh, do you want me to, you know, work on him for you?" Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. She wants to work on him. Right. Exactly. Um. So surprisingly, though, it doesn't take that much to get him to agree. Brenda's all like, it's our turn. Well, actually, I think she'd already said go ahead with it. So he didn't really have a choice. Yeah, she said that that Donna was already, or not Donna, that Kelly was already inviting people. Yeah. And Kelly was supposed to have invited like 15 people. Mm -hmm. And Brenda was supposed to have invited like nine. And so if you want to, you know, do your math, it's like 26 people. 27, maybe. (laughs) And it's or 24, like, if you want to literally do 15 and 9. But then there's also Brenda and Brandon and Kelly. Oh, okay. All right. You outsmarted me. <laughs> you got me this time, Carol. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, t- like 250 people showed up. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I don't know how big the school is, but a lot of the school showed up. Yeah, it's insane. Including so. the two dorks. And they brought their own alcohol. Yeah, so, everyone brings their own. Every everyone brought their own alcohol to this party because apparently they didn't have alcohol themselves that they were serving, is what Brenda said. Anyway, yeah, well, she said that they they made a pact with their parents that they wouldn't drink. Well, and they made a pact with each other that they would not drink at this party. Right. However, Brandon is just like, you know what? They want to be more fun. Fuck it, I'm going to drink. Yep. And he gets drunk, 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 drunk. Oh yeah, very drunk. And oh, and Andrea. Had asked him to go to the theater with her, which, you know, seemed like she's asking him on a date. She definitely was. And he couldn't do it because of the party, so she said she'd stop by. So, he's drunk, she gets there, they're dancing. He kissed her on the mouth. He did, yeah. A couple times. And then she's like, 
I've never seen you drunk before, and the first time I do, you kiss me. Like. She was like that. I don't get it. Like, I thought she liked him, so, like, why isn't she just happy she got kissed? Like, what, I don't know. What the hell? She, I, maybe she feels it cheapens it. I guess, because, you know, she doesn't know if he really wanted to kiss her, I guess. Well, I mean, usually when you're drunk, it lowers your inhibitions, but just to do things you already kind of want to do. You would think, yeah. So, um, then they run out of alcohol, and instead of letting that be the natural stopping point of this massive crazy party, mm-hmm. Steve, again, is the instigator and says, okay, plan B, and gets in the car with somebody else and sends Brandon, because Steve's going to go get his liquor stash from his house, right? and sends Brandon alone to go pick up more snacks. Snacks and fruit punch, because he's making, it looks like high C and uh, tequila, which sounds awful. It does sound pretty terrible. I mean, I could see, you know, like red Kool-Aid and rum. That makes sense. Yeah, that but, actually sounds, it sounds like a tropical punch. Yeah, exactly. But tequila... Tequila, you got to be careful what you're mixing that with. Yeah. Because tequila's taste is so strong anyway, you need a natural sort of balance to it. So, Brandon gets in a car accident. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's way too drunk to be driving. Mm-hmm. And so Brenda has to call her parents in Palm Springs while they're laying in bed, you know, having given up on sex. Right. To tell them that they have to come home because he's been arrested. He's, yeah, he's got, got in a car accident, but he's fine. Where is he now? He's in jail. Yeah. Now, Dylan had not wanted to go to the parties. He did go to Brenda's party. He was bummed out she was having one. It was so funny, too, when she's telling him and she's like... My parents are out of town, and and he's like, oh, and then she's like, so I'm having a party, and he's like, oh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, but he was there, and oh, and the police had showed up at one point, and he and Brenda were sober. They're like the only sober people there. So they were outside. To, they, they talked to the cops and got the cops to leave. They just told them they turned the music down. So they were actually outside talking when this whole thing went down. Yeah. When when they got in the cars and left, but they couldn't stop them because they didn't know what they were doing until they were already gone. Exactly. So I mean that had to be pretty terrifying. Yeah, the whole I mean the whole thing seemed traumatizing to but to both of them. Yeah. So I mean Brendan Brandon is okay, <laughs> and um, you know Brenda got yelled at. The parents get yeah. oh because they don't even know. They they go right to jail and they don't even know that he was at a party. They they think the only issue they're dealing with is that he was drunk driving and he's like I should never have thrown a party. Yeah, he even says he threw the party. Right. And they're like, "What? What party?" Yeah. So they come home and they start screaming at her. Yeah. About the party and how the house is ruined and everything. Now they haven't yelled at him once. No. They they said they were definitely they they definitely made it sound like they were disappointed, but we'll get through this kind of thing, all that stuff. But they scream at her. Yeah, she's on the floor scrubbing on her hands and knees, mm-hmm. and they're screaming at her. And she's like, well, I didn't drink. And they're <laughs> like, well, how can we believe you? Right. And then Brandon says they, that she didn't drink, and then they believe him. Yeah, it's really weird. Like, what happened in this family? No clue. I mean, the dynamics are all effed up. Yeah. So, um, Brandon's hanging out with Dylan at the Peach Pit. It looks like he he was getting off work. And he's so upset with his parents, which I think is kind of weird, because they were really nice to him. 
Yeah. And he's like, oh, and he lost his license. He can apply to get it back, though, for going to work in school in just a couple weeks. So, I mean, that's not that bad. No, not too bad. And um, he's like, I want to, I just feel like going out and drinking right now just to show them that they can't tell me what to do. Yeah. Like, seriously? He's so weird. Like, the, the, this personality twist is so strange from him. Yeah. Because he is usually the good boy. Yeah. And it is very weird to see him, like, all rebelling and stuff. And there's no trigger. I mean, I guess it's just, you know, hormones, whatever. But there's no obvious trigger for it. Yeah. And so Dylan's like, oh, I know just the place. And he takes him to an AA meeting and says that he is also an alcoholic. Yep. So, I mean, they had mentioned that in season five that he had a history of alcohol, I think, alcoholism. Yeah, somebody said something about it, but we didn't realize that it predated the show, basically. Right. So, yeah, so he's already a recovering alcoholic at, what, 16, 17 years old. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how the episode ends. Yeah, basically, I guess Brandon learns that, you know, some people have it worse than a pampered white Beverly Hills kid. (laughs) So he, he decides that maybe he shouldn't whine so much. And, I mean, we have to assume that Dylan has gotten his HIV test and it's been negative and we're just waiting for him and Brenda to have sex. Well, that's what you're waiting for. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's how they ended the last episode, but nothing else came of that. I know. Yeah, Carol's definitely uh, jonesing for it. I'm not jonesing for it. God, you made me sound like a freak. I'm just saying, every time that that they're on screen together, you're like, oh, I wonder when they're going to have sex now. I mean, it's just because you know what's going to happen. Yep. It's so, inevitable. We'll see. But that was 90210. Oh, 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 wait. Before yep. we move on. So I, I have an email address for our show through oh, AOL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is called latefee1994aol.com. Latefee1994 at aol.com. Okay. So... If you want to write in, if you want to tell us when you think they're going to have sex, or, well, you guys might already know. You probably already saw the show. <laughs> well, this one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because um, this is season one, but... But, yeah, if you want to write in and tell us, you know, how you think we're doing, if there's anything you want us to talk about or whatever, you know, we'll be happy to hear from you. So you can send an electronic mail to latefee1994 at AOL.com. And we will respond. We'll get we'll get that electronic mail and then we will send you an electronic mail back. Alright. Sounds great. I'm excited. I am too. I think it's it, it's fun to chat with people on the internet. That's and it's, what the internet's good for. And it's not cheating. What the would you stop? <laughs> So this this day this this week we saw a uh, pretty interesting movie that does it has something to do with infidelity I guess in a way uh, it could happen to you Carol <laughs> yeah it's a really good movie though so Nicolas Cage and Bridget Fonda of the esteemed Fonda acting family along with Rosie Perez. And some others, some other notable people in this film. But it's based on a true story. Did you know that, Carol? 
Only because you told me, dear. So it's based on a true story. Theater of the mind here. But it's based on a true story of a, I think it's a Long Island or it might not be Long Island. Yonkers. I think that's what it was. Yeah, Yon- I think you said Yonkers. Yonkers city police officer that frequented this pizzeria and was friends, good friends with the waitress there because he had been go- going in there for years. And in lieu of a tip one day when he was short, he said he proposed that she choose three numbers and he choose three numbers for the lottery. And if they won, then they'd split whatever whatever that was in lieu of a tip. And they won $6 million. She forgot about it. And I guess a week later he came in and he honored his promise to her and split the, the money with her 50-50. So that, just that simple premise, that's what the, the movie's based on. Now, nothing about the people's actual lives, except for the fact that he was a police officer and she was a waitress. And it was, and it had to do with lottery winnings, but nothing about their backstory, their actual relationships with other people, their relationships with each other, anything like that in no way resembles the actual story. Uh, so, you know, don't go reading into this that there was some scandal between the two of these people or anything because there wasn't. But that's the basic premise of the story is that Nicolas Cage plays a really nice guy cop. He's married to Rosie Perez, who, is clearly more about money. Oh my God, she's such a psycho. At the very beginning, she's working in a nail salon and she she talks about how her husband's a police officer and they're poor because he's not on the take. He's not. Yeah. He's not. A, he's honest. He's not a dirty cop. And she says, well, at least if he was, if he was taking bribes, uh, I would say he has initiative. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> She's a terrible person. I hate her. But he goes into a, a you know, well, she wants him to buy a lottery ticket. She thinks that they're going to win because she had some weird dream. Yeah. And so he he's, goes to buy the lottery ticket, then they go into a diner. And because he bought the lottery ticket, he doesn't have money for the tip. So he says to her, okay, well, I'll split whatever we win with you. And she says, yeah, fine, whatever. She And she had that earlier that day before she came in, had to file for bankruptcy because her ex-husband took, well, not ex-husband, her current husband, because she can't afford to get divorced, but they're separated. How sad is that? Oh. Yeah. He took her the credit card that's in her name and ran up $12,000 worth of debt. So we see, like, really quickly what kind of people we're dealing with here. Right. The, ma- the, the four major people, I guess, when the, One's not really major, but the the major people in the in the movie, we kind of see what their personalities are. And she's trusting and nice, and he's somewhat jaded, I guess, maybe a little bit, but but very nice. And his wife is a psychopath, like you said. Where do you get that he's jaded? He seems a little world weary, don't you think? His character? No. You think he has a sense of wonder or, or whatever? Well, I mean, I he plays stickball with the kids, and yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, he 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 seems to me almost kind of naive, like like he got roped in by this terrible, terrible person. He's a very go with the flow kind of guy, I guess. I, I guess I have a I, I I don't know his whole character, their whole relationship makes no, makes no sense to me. Yeah, I agree. Like, how did that even happen? 
She, Rosie Perez says she wants to get her, her breasts done. Yeah. Quote, unquote. He's like, done? She says, yeah, you know, enlarged. It's so weird. Um, Rosie Perez is playing basically the same character, but not as nice as she did in White Men Can't Jump. And she is just, I mean, I. she's annoying. And it's so hard to understand what she's saying. It is very hard. I know she's Puerto Rican. And I know there are a lot of Puerto Ricans in, in New York. Uh, I know that they're Americans and everything. But the accent is, is, it's a tough one. The Puerto Rican accent, if you, if it's heavy, that's a, it's a tough one to understand. Especially because she speaks so quickly. Yeah. So, yeah, she's very unlikable and she forces him to do pretty much everything, it seems. Yeah. Um, and he, the waitress has gone bankrupt because of her crappy husband. And he gets the numbers wrong. Yeah, because he, he doesn't know their anniversary. Yeah, he, he puts the 26th as their anniversary when they got married on the 27th. She even yells at him about it as the numbers are being drawn. But 26 is one of the numbers drawn because they actually win the lottery. It's right. a $64 million New York State lottery. But unfortunately... <laughs> Other people have won. Let me let me play my world's smallest violin for them. Yeah, she Rosie Perez is very is very angry. She's talking on the phone to somebody. I don't know who. They never say who. I guess they intimate that maybe it's the lottery, but that's I don't think that's how the lottery works. When you win the lottery, I think you have to go down to to an office. Yeah, I don't think they actually. You know, they, obviously they don't call you, and they wouldn't know. Like, they wouldn't just assume everyone's going to call in. Well, I mean, that seemed to be the what was happening in this movie, though, cause, because she said, like, oh, they, their boulders had called in, this bowling league called in. Mm-hmm. And then she's asking, do they count as one, or as, do they all get a share, equal share? And That's she's so saying, I too. hope no one else calls in, and she has called in, so... There must be some line you're supposed to call. I'm sure you have to yeah. show the ticket to verify. But right. It's yeah. a New York State lottery, so it might be different than what we're used to. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. I mean, I, also, I've never won the lottery, so I'm not sure exactly all the procedures. Right. But I guess I guess that makes sense. It's so weird, too, because she does. She's like, oh, do each of the bowlers count as individuals? Or do they, they get one lump sum? What is it? And she's like, she says to him, Thank God they only count as one. It's by ticket. That's what it is. If, if the bowlers pooled their money together on one ticket or whatever, then it's it's that. It's however many tickets they bought. Right. You know, they, they, that that's the part that doesn't make any sense to me. They wouldn't count them separately. It's by ticket, not by person. Well, and I mean, they didn't. It's just why is she so stupid, I guess, is the question. Right. So anyway, it comes down to after everything, it's going to be $4 million. And she says, oh, you know, we can still do okay with $4 million. <laughs> Thank God we don't have to split it with anyone else. <laughs> and he's kind of hyperventilating. Like, he looks miserable. Oh, yeah. Because he knows he's going to have to have this conversation with her, which he does. And, you know, obviously she freaks out. Obviously. But he sells it to her as, you're going to be known as, what does he, what does he say? Something the heart of gold, with a heart of gold. Yeah. The, an angel with a heart of gold. An angel or, with a heart of gold or something like that. Yeah. Or a woman with a heart of gold or yes. something. And 
that everyone's going to love you. You're going to make money on endorsement deals from this. So he sells her on that. They go down to the, the big ceremony at the lottery office. All the people that have won come together. So weird, too. I know a lot of people probably bought tickets, but so weird that so many people, they they uh, they all bet the same numbers. It's odd. Yeah, that is weird. You know what I wonder is is when they do the easy, you know, pick or random or whatever numbers, like, yeah. can they do the same ones? Yeah. So, like, it could randomly give more than one person the same ticket. Yes. That seems unfair. Like, I think it should take it out of rotation. Oh, well, they don't. That's not the way the system works. The way the system works is it randomly generates a number every time. There's a there. So there's a finite. I mean, it's it's in the hundreds of millions, but there's a finite number of combinations. Mm-hmm. And what the computer system does is it go? It just sort of like a slot machine, kind of. It's a double. What the, it's called? What's called double random. So, like on a slot machine, the way it works is the slot machine knows when it's going to to trigger a jackpot because it knows what the what the configuration of a jackpot is. So, when you hit the button, it'll say like, "Okay, jackpot's going to hit in four spins or something like that," right? And then it spins and randomly generates whatever the non-jackpot thing is. Okay. When you hit it again, it might go back to 50 spins when the jackpot's going to gen- gonna hit. Huh. Because it, 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 it's a double random generation. So it, it randomly generates what's it's, what it's going to do now, and it randomly generates all the other combinations and when they're going to hit as well. Okay. So when you hit the button and it says jackpot now, that's the only time that the jackpot actually, actually hits. And that's the same thing with the the lottery numbers. The only difference being, obviously, when the computer is printing out a random set of numbers, it has no idea which ones are going to win and which ones aren't. But because of that, if enough tickets are bought, people can get multiple ones. Right. Okay. So, anyway, so they win. They're they're there. It's so funny. uh, Jack Cafferty, who's sort of a, like, I don't want to say underground. I mean, he's known. But like a New York area political reporter, right. he's there and he's got a small cameo for, for all the people that are, you know, know about New York, uh, New York reporters will, will recognize him. And he says, hey, we got a, a waitress or a waiter, a cop that gave a waitress a two million dollar tip. He tells every, all the other reporters about the story for some reason. And then they all flock from everybody else to come and cover their story. And this is sort of a background to the whole movie of them covering this story because it's such it's taken uh new york by storm right and isaac hayes shaft himself <laughs> he's a smooth mother you're supposed to stop I, I, me uh shaft no you're supposed to just say hey and then i say i'm just talking about shaft oh, okay. uh anyway so <laughs> he's there sort of narrating events as well we find out later kind of who he is he says his name's angel so the whole thing feels very fairy tale ish. Yeah. But oh, I should say before they go to the office, that's the big the big scene. Before they go to to the ceremony for the lottery winners, he goes to the diner, and he says, "Hey," he talks to her. He sees kind of what she's like. He sees that she's nice. Everyone's telling him, "Don't do it. Don't give her half the money. That's stupid. Just give her a nice tip. Don't give her half the money." You're being an idiot. Even his partner, who's like a nice guy, says right. that. 
but he he kind of wants to. Like you can tell he wants to honor this promise. He'd feel guilty not doing it. So he's talking to her. He sees how nice she is. He really wants to do it. He's got the money that he's going to give her as the tip in an envelope in his hand. It's like a thousand bucks or well, something like that. And, and before this, too, she mentions that she had just gone bankrupt that day. And that's why she was in such a bad mood and so rude to him the yeah. first time they met. Yeah, and she apologized and everything. He's like, you just went bankrupt? He looks like he's going to puke. So he says, I'll leave it up to you. You can have double the tip that I was going to leave or half of what I won in the lottery. And she says, fine, I'll let, you know, let, let's let it ride or whatever. I'll take half of what you won in the lottery. And he says, are you sure? And she said, yep. And he said, I, I was hoping you'd say that. And she said, yeah, better luck next time, right? And he's like, no, no, we won't. <laughs> so he tells her and she doesn't believe it at first. And then she kind of goes through. I said this after after we saw the movie. I said it's like at one point she says, I can't accept this. I can't take this. And I said that seems like a very natural reaction to me. See, to me, it does not because they made the agreement and he's honoring his and he should. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I don't see anything wrong with her taking it. I don't see anything wrong with her taking it either. But I can see the reaction of, you know, it was you just said you were going to give me a tip. And you're going to give me $2 million. It just seems odd. Yeah, I guess. But anyway, so then from there, you know, it's a whirlwind of stuff. Rosie Perez wants to spend all this money. And it's basically, it's the contrast between between the extremes of her wanting to spend all the money on stuff that she wants and selfish stuff. And him wanting to spend the money on, you know, charitable stuff for other people. Like wanting to spread the wealth. And I guess it's sort of, you know, they, they always say that these lottery winners, they always lose their money. And, and you know, they, they end up broke and, and, and miserable and stuff afterwards. Right. Um, and, you know, I think that's kind of a cautionary tale about that as well. But they, like, him and Bridget Fonda give free tokens to everyone in the subway one day (laughs) and they do just a bunch of they go rollerblading they start hanging out because he gets shot you want to tell that story about him getting shot so they're the him and his partner are at like some convenience store and the partner's actually outside he goes in to get some coffee yeah yeah and everyone in this store is acting very weird they're not moving at all yeah they're not moving, they're not talking, like they're they're doing like repetitive motions. It if he was not paying attention, thank God, you know, a trained officer, he he's trained to pay attention, right? Yeah. But somebody could have walked in and walked back out and not really noticed. Sure. And um it turns out they were being robbed. He walked in in the middle of a robbery. So the the gunman actually has the wife of the owner on the ground with a gun to her head. Mhm. And he rings up his coffee and says his wife is sick. And what was it about the coffee? He gave it to him for free. Uh, oh, yeah. He, he didn't even ring him up. He gave it to him for free. So he goes outside and says to his partner, so they're being robbed. And I know this because his wife would work no matter what, even if she had the flu. Right. 
And he gave me the coffee for free, and he's like, oh, yeah, something's wrong. So, right. so that's what tipped him off. And so he goes in through the back and down into the basement mm-hmm. with the rats. Oh. And he tells his partner to call for backup. Yeah. and so, Which, like any good movie, backup gets there right as everything's over. Right. So he gets in through the back of the place and um, fumbles with the guy and ends up getting shot. Yeah, well, he takes a can and he fires it at this guy's head. Yeah. And the guy, you know, shoots. We don't actually see it hit him. We don't see that till later. And then the other guy goes, it's like a miracle almost. The other guy, he starts charging because as he says later, he doesn't want to shoot. There are too many customers in there. He was afraid he'd hit somebody. Although you have a handgun that's a precision weapon. I could see... If you were there with a, a shotgun or something like that, with a with a big spread, you know, like a like a shatter rifle or something like that, then yeah, maybe you you'd be worried about collateral damage. But I mean, a trained officer with a handgun, you should be able to hit center mass of what who you're aiming at. Maybe I mean, maybe he's not a very good shot though. I suppose it's just possible. But anyway, he, he charges at him. The guy, the criminal, points his gun at him, starts shooting, and I guess the gun got jammed because it's just yeah, click, it's click, 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 click. And then he runs into him and they, you know, uh, charges him through the glass, basically, onto the sidewalk. And that's when, when backup gets there. And then his partner finally, after talking to him for a couple minutes, finally notices he's been shot. Yeah, when he passes out on top of the criminal. So he gets medical attention, he gets a, a, a medal and everything, but he's he's fine, but he's he's on leave. Right, he's on medical leave. At the same time, his terrible wife has decided to renovate their apartment so that her, she's got this plan to flip it. She's right. going to, you know, do all these things and, and make $100,000 selling it next year. Yeah. So he can't even relax at home because there's all this going on and he can't work. And he's got nothing to do all day, so he calls... Bridget Fonda and says, hey, let's hang out like every day. Right. So they start hanging out all the time. And like 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 you said, they go rollerblading. That's not really fun. And they just start finding fun things to do where they're like giving back to people. Yep. They they are falling in love based on their their mutual love of making other people happy. Yeah. Like they take all the neighborhood boys um to what stadium is yankee it Not, stadium yeah yankee stadium and and um they they get to like play baseball and take pictures and it's super cute yep very and nice when they come back from that that's when he's getting kicked out yeah <laughs> yeah he gets he gets his wife kicks him out of the house because he gave tokens away to to people yeah she hates that he keeps giving away their money at one point he put money in a blind man's cup on the street, and mm-hmm. she pulled it back out. Yeah, and he had to grab it and put it back in the blind man's cup. I, ugh. But here's the thing, too. Those tokens, I mean, it sucks having to pay for the subway every day. I mean, we don't live in New York, so it's not anything I have to deal with, but I'm sure it does suck to do that. But those tokens aren't expensive. I think they're a quarter or something like that. Or something like that. A quarter, 50 cents, something to, to ride the to ride the subway. So he spent, I mean, they've got $2 million. He spent, what, maybe 500 600 Probably not even that much. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, not probably not even that much money to give away, 
these tokens. It's not that big of a deal. No. Now, uh, running out a baseball stadium for the day, probably a little more expensive. Yeah, I'm sure that cost him some money, plus the the buses and everything. And, you know, I, I kind of thought at first that she was upset because, you know, he's spending so much time with this other woman or whatever, but mm-hmm. that had nothing to do with it. No. She doesn't want... She's just a money grubber. Yeah. She doesn't care what he's doing. Or, or about his emotions at all. So they end up at a hotel together. Yeah, because it is suggested to each of them separately that they go stay at the plaza. Right. It's suggested to him by one of the boys. Because, you know, when he's he's leaving, they see him get kicked out. And they're all like, oh, we're not surprised because, you know, his wife's a bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like, you should stay at the plaza. Yeah, it's a nice hotel. And then this girl, the the, you know, the waitress girl... Uh, her ex-husband is at her house, or her separated from husband, whatever, trying to get money from her. And he's like, and I'm not leaving until, you know, you cough up money. And she's like, okay, I'll leave. And he's like, what, where are you going, the plaza? Neither right. one of them would have done that on their own, because they're just not that kind of person. Right. So they go to the plaza, and they end up there at the same time with adjoining rooms, because, you know, that's what the movie wants. It's so funny, too, because that's a, it's like a theme of this episode, adjoining rooms. Yeah. But they do hook up. Yes. So, you know, they get it on or whatever, dance to, to with each other. They get photographed. It's a big scandal. And now Rosie Perez wants to get divorced. And not only does she want all of his lottery winnings, she wants the $2 million that he gave to her as well. Yeah. She wants it in full. Like, she's already spent money. What she did with her money was she bought the restaurant she was working in mm-hmm. and made a table. This is the sweetest idea ever for people who can't afford a meal. Yep. And, and named, named it, it after him. Yeah. Great, great idea. Great little touch for her character. So, yeah, I mean, what's she supposed to do? She's already spent a bunch of this money. Yep. So the, the end of this movie takes place. It's a big legal battle, basically. It's... The biggest farce I've ever seen in my life. Oh my god, yeah. That that that's my one complaint with the movie is is this this court thing. The questions that the prosecuting attorney were asking are not the types of questions you can ask. They're not phrased the way you're supposed to be able to ask questions. We have in our school we have a student court and we have a pre law class. So we get you know, we've been sort of not trained, but we learn. We've learned a lot about what what kind of questions, what objections, basic the basic decorum of court and procedures. And yeah, this court, this this scene did not follow any of them. Also, it's a civil matter about money, and there's a jury trial. Weird. It's like the whole thing just seems. It just it, everything about it seems really weird. But anyway, they lose, uh, and Rosie Perez gets all the money. Based on the biggest nonsense ever. Right. So they, the, this reporter, Angel, he it works for the New York Post. And it's so funny that I, I don't know if the New York Post has a stake in the movie company that made this or not. But they come off, be- the New York Post comes off better here than they ever have in real life. Right. <laughs> so they... He, he, you know, it's like their last night, their darkest hour, as the newspaper headline says. And he knocks on the door. He's dressed as a homeless person. He wants a free meal or whatever. So he sits down there. He takes the free meal. And he secretly takes pictures of them while they're dancing. And then he uses it for a story. Basically saying, hey, 
in their darkest hour, this is how, these are how nice these people are. Everyone in New York should help them out. So people start sending them money. Yep. And they get, I think, what did he say, $600,000? Yep. $600,000. Which probably covered at least what she hadn't, what she had spent. Yeah, so the, the, the resolution of the movie is that she gets to keep her restaurant. He goes back to being a police officer and they are able to afford a place together. And I'm assuming she can afford her divorce. Yeah. And they and they get married. Yeah. So that's the that's the happily ever after. I'll tell you, it's a really simple story that not, not a lot happens in this movie. Really, honestly, it's mostly just oh, and Rosie Perez gets what's coming to her because she <laughs> yes. she marries some huckster that takes all of her money. But and they, they kind of tell us tell, tell us that in the denouement. Of the of the movie, yeah, she ends up living with her mother and doing nails again. Yeah, but it's it's a really simple premise. It's a really simple story. There's not it, not a lot happens in the movie at all, honestly. But it, it's a very it's satisfying and it's a sweet it's a sweet movie. I would say. Yeah, I really I really enjoyed it, and um, it it just makes you feel good. Yeah, I liked it. It makes you hopeful for people. That that it does. That that is one that is one thing. It, it's it's a very it has a very hopeful message to it, I think. And sometimes in the cynical nineties I think we need that hope. Oh yeah. But that is our episode for the week. We will end uh, this episode as we end every episode with our blockbuster pick of the week. This week, Carol. One that I know you liked, Four Weddings and a Funeral. We saw that. Yep. <laughs> that, that would be, I mean, that would be my recommendation for sure, because it is a great movie. Now, there's a couple movies, the one that just came out, that we didn't see, and then one I have seen, but you haven't seen, and I know you wouldn't like. Hmm. So I'll do the one that I've seen that I know you wouldn't like, Blue Chips, with Nick Nolte, uh, also starring Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway. And I believe Bob Cousy's in there as well. It's uh, about college basketball and basically how coaches and programs feel pressured to pay players in order to have successful programs because it's hard to get the good players if you're not paying them. That that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's a very good it's a good drama film. I think it's one of the best basketball films I've seen. So. You know, it's available. Check it out. The other one that neither of us have seen, but I know you're kind of interested in, so maybe we should rent it, is Eight Seconds. Yeah, I I like Luke Perry. Yeah, that's the Luke Perry movie. (laughs) And now, having seen more of 90210, maybe, maybe I would watch it. Really? Yeah, I might watch it with you. Okay, let's, let's do it. Let's run it right now. Let's go. Okay. All right, well, that is our episode. As always, tell your friends, and I don't know, what else should they do, Carol? Email us. Yeah, email us, for (laughs) sure. And money. Money, all the money, and all the puppies. What? Puppies, you know. Well, you guys will know when you hear our our mixtape. The puppies. Okay, have a good day. Bye. Bye.